Hello and welcome back to my podcast, Why Me? I'm your host, Jake. In this episode, I sat down with my friend Marion to talk about her experience accessing mental health resources at university and what she ultimately decided to do about it. Marion has been able to turn a difficult experience into a positive one by co-founding a company called Hasu E-Counseling, which aims to make mental health resources cheaper and more accessible for all. Enjoy. So first you want to just kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. For sure, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm Marion. I am, I guess, probably first and fo- foremost, the, the co-founder of a company called Hassoui Counseling, which is um, an online platform that allows people to receive counseling via video, phone, or text. And um, what else can I say? I went to, to Queen's University, which you obviously you did as well, which is why we're sort of connected here. And, um, and then f- after that, I moved to London for a few years, got a master's in psychology, and moved back to Toronto and, and co-founded this company. So here I am. Here we are in downtown Toronto. And uh, yeah, nice. yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you got the idea to, to, to be part of this company and, and, and where that kind of came from. For sure, yeah. So, um, so I went to Queen's um, before your time which was uh, in 2008 to, to 2012. And uh, as, as we know in, you know, working sort of in mental health, but, but many people may not know this, it was pretty pretty bad time for, for Queens when you look at it from a mental health perspective. There were, there were quite a few suicides and, and indeed uh, accidental deaths during that time. And... Um, it's, it's weird because yeah. was like 10 years ago, right? Yeah, it, well, it was actually. Yes, yeah, so I just actually went, just went back for my five-year reunion. So I was reminded how, you know, it was actually pretty recent. Um, but, and so, yeah, so, it, one, you know, one of, one of the deaths was, was one of my friends. And uh, it, it was that and also sort of everything compounded and what was going on uh, on campus during that time, which is this very sort of, horrible cloud that seemed to be over all of us for uh, a number of months that that led me to seek uh, the counseling services at Queen's. And I, I, I can only assume that I wasn't seen um, within a few weeks because they were dealing with this sort of crazy demand uh, due to these incidences. So I, I, I felt like I went without support for quite a long time there when I needed it. And I thought, you know, there really has to be a better way. Like, why am I waiting three weeks to a month to see a counselor? Like, by then, I, I may not even need the help anymore. Like, the, the the crisis will be over. Like, I need I need the help now. And not to mention, all my friends could probably use a little bit of uh, support as well. So, um, I don't know. I just I just got to thinking when I was in my bed one day. I couldn't couldn't really bring myself to go to class. Uh, and I thought, great, if I could just talk to a counselor right now. And I started working on my essay and realized I should really be just talking to a therapist on my computer instead of writing this essay. I think that might be better for my, <laughs> for my overall life trajectory. So, um, yeah, that's really where the idea came from. Um, and it's always, it's always stuck with me. And 
And so, uh, yeah, when I moved back to Toronto after living in, in the UK for three years, I, I kind of thought about, you know, what I sort of, you know, you reach this, they call this like a quarter life crisis a little bit, but you know, you kind of think of like, what do I want to do in this, in this world? And I'm, I'm young and I'm a millennial, but I'm not that hard done by. So like, why don't I just try and do something instead of complaining that I don't have a job? So, um, so yeah, that, that's where I, I, I tried to figure out, you know, who's actually doing like actually actioning this idea. Cause it, it wasn't incredibly brilliant. It seemed quite obvious. So I thought someone must be doing it. And, um, and I found uh, Hasui Counseling, which was, you know, quite quite early days at that point. I met I met Greg, who is the um, who is the CEO and is the founder, and um, I started working for him, and and we um, we sort of relaunched the company together. And uh, now I'm I'm sort of a, a sort of a co-founder, sort of not, but uh, Greg Greg's the original founder. But that's that's sort of my story of how yeah. how I got involved. Yeah. And when you were when you were looking for counseling, was that what what year was that at Queens? Was it the middle of your time? Yeah, that would have been around the middle of right. my time there. And yeah, in third, it was in third year. Yeah. Did you ever see a counselor? I did eventually. Yeah, and I and I was quite happy with the counseling like, that I um, eventually received. Um, yeah, I think I I'm I'm definitely all for therapy, uh, but uh, in a timely manner. Right. <laughs> That's the key. And did they tell you that you can only see her four times a semester? I didn't know that, actually. No, I I just went in a few times. I think that's all I needed at that time. But uh, no. Is that that the case? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, that would have certainly added some, you know, fire under... under my ass to right. to found this company right. so yeah no and so they just did um they published a report because waterloo was the the ratio was one to twelve hundred for for students to counselors mm-hmm. and i believe queens is one to one thousand right but you know the reality is that you we can never hire enough physical counselors to to you know make that enough right so so how is your business a solution to that problem yeah well that that's a that's a really good question and of course yeah resources are not such that allow you know a one-to-one ratio or whatever I mean I don't know what would what would be appropriate um but certainly something better than than the statistics you're citing um, but but basically, what we do is is we're we're an adjunct to that. You know, if if you're not able to get counseling in a timely manner, or if, if you want to talk to your therapist in your room, um, on your terms, if you want to text your therapist, like that's that's what we're trying to do. Is we're trying to offer an alternative solution, or in some cases, a better solution. Um, so you know, th- we believe that you know therapy should be on your terms like it's your health it's your life and as you know as therapists you know we're I'm not a therapist myself in my company you know we're providing a service to you it should be client-centered it should be patient-centered um and so that's really what I think we're offering a convenient solution that's also if half the price of face-to-face therapy and you know, speaking from your experience as well, I can imagine that the impact of going in to see, you know, 
saying, okay, I'm going to reach out for help for the first time ever and going in to see a counselor and then having them tell you, you know, sorry, we'll see you in three weeks. I can imagine, I can't even imagine the impact that that would have on the person, right? And so did that affect you being hesitant to reach out in the future or, or not really? Or? Um, well, I think really what it did was make me feel pissed off, <laughs> quite frankly, which made me want to come up with a solution. Um, I imagine to many other people it would have been... Yeah, I, I kind of... I, I view these roadblocks as... as like, they, they don't kind of, like, put me down in the dumps. They kind of, like, give me frustration to try and change it. But, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great initially. But, but what came of that frustration was, was, was positive. Okay. And so in terms of the therapy that's done online, you know, there is a certain argument that says it's not as good as face-to-face and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And what, what do you think about that? I think that's... Um, that's very valid. I think face-to-face therapy is extremely effective. Um, I don't believe that we are out there to replace face-to-face mm. therapy at all. Uh, we are a solution that is for people who may not be able to a- access face-to-face therapy and for people that may even prefer um, texting their therapist or um, talking to a therapist from home or wherever from work. Um, as far as the argument of it not being as effective, I believe that there's quite a few studies out there to prove that it's not inferior, which Mm. means that it's basically equal. And there's also some studies that actually demonstrate that it's superior in some cases. Um, so I would encourage those people, I'd love to reach out to those people. I could send them some papers. I've got quite a long list of them, um, but yeah, that's, that's what I would say. And how would it, you know, it seems to me that it is kind of the perfect solution for a university campus because, as you said, people can be in their rooms where they're most comfortable and, and speak to their, to their therapist. And so how, you know, would that work in a university setting, implementing it and, and all those details? Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's a really good question and... Um, we struggle to write proposals to, to try and figure out um, how we would basically act as an adjunct. I mean, there's a number of ways that universities can go about doing this. Um, they're always going to, or at least I, I believe they're always going to have their, and should always have their on-campus services, of course. Um, you know, what a company like we can do, uh, what like HASU can do is, is essentially offer therapy on the weekends and evenings and early mornings. Um, we can extend your therapist roster. We can double it. We can triple it. Well, I don't. I don't know. Depends on their base numbers, of course. But we can extend their rosters to not only extend their availability uh, to the students, but also, um, you know, therapists deal in very like in specialty areas, and they employ various modalities. So you're not only you know providing students with more availability and quite literally just times to talk to therapists but um by by extending or by um basically being an adjunct we're able to to allow students to speak to therapists that are appropriate for what appropriate for exactly what they 
are, you know, looking to speak to, to therapists for. It's not just anxiety and depression and eating disorders that affect universities, uh, university students. It's bipolar, um, it's PTSD, um, it's trauma. And uh, so, yeah, there's, there's plenty of plenty of advantages I, I think for for universities and and also you know our our, our text therapies has really been uh, doing well has really been able to provide support to sort of like m- the millennial generation and a little bit younger very effectively just because you know I mean, you and I, I believe you're a millennial. We're both millennials, right? So, I mean, we're used to, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're comfortable texting our friends. Um, and so adding that service to, um, you know, a, a university's armamentarium, I think, is quite compelling. I look at something similar to this or whatever, and I just say, well, you know what? There's so many advantages. You know, the university benefits, the students benefit, you know, marketing benefits because they have online counseling. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why isn't this a part of every university? Yeah, you know, well... I know we've been trying to work on that, but I just... I don't understand why people aren't mm-hmm. jumping on the gun. You know what, I, I, I think that they are starting to, actually. Um, the, the tides are turning. Um, I know that a few universities are, are certainly looking into this very seriously. And um, we're getting proposals sent our way from universities across the country every once in a while, like uh, more and more often for, you know, asking for... Th- you know, this sort of type of intervention, um, basically online, online therapy, whether it be they're, they're wanting like a, like a hotline or a service like ours. I I do see the tides turning, um, why it's taken so long. Um, I guess one of the reasons I believe is that, you know, it's, it's kind of, it, it, it is a new way of providing support. And a lot of people, there's still sort of, and, you know, a visceral reaction to oh you can't provide therapy online um it's like you can't administer a shot online yeah well but it's different right like but they you know a lot of people think of healthcare as like you're not able to do it when you're not in person which is a bit it's a bit archaic but I do believe that that that's a factor um also you know a a lot of these online therapy companies, like it, it is a little bit like the wild, wild west out there. Um, it, it's sort of unclear what the what the rules are, and a lot of companies are coming in from the states and offering service to Canadians, which is not not great because you know they're not you're not speaking to a therapist that that's you know has to abide by their provincial college. It's just some therapist from Wisconsin or whatever. So I think they have fair reason to be skeptical of companies like, mm. like, like ours who aren't going by the books. Um, we've made very, very deliberate efforts to um, mimic a brick-and-mortar situation. We have a clinical supervisor. We provide su- supervision once a month to, to all of our therapists, 
Um, and so we really do, you know, go out of our way and we vet our therapists like through and through it's, it's exhausting the amount of background checks and interviews we put, we put them through. Um, (laughs) but, but we do this because we want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're presenting a legitimate healthcare, uh, organization in Canada. Um, so people feel comfortable partnering with us. I look at, you know, something, someone like you, and, and you've kind of made this really great thing out of something, you know, that wasn't so great. And so I really admire the fact that you took a negative situation and, and tried to find a way to have, you know, a positive impact based on, on how, on what happened. And so, you know, I would love to hear, and, and other people as well, how they can look at a situation and instead of getting sad about it, getting angry. I you know I love getting angry, you know? <laughs> and so how do you cultivate that, that attitude, that go-getter attitude? Um, that's a, that's a good question because, you know, first of all, I do think it is like totally okay to feel sad and indeed Absolutely. like, you know, I felt, I did feel pretty, <laughs> for lack of a better word, we're allowed to swear here, right? I felt yeah, pretty yeah. shitty at the time. <laughs> um, so, and so I think it's totally okay to, you know, to experience that, but, um, there's nothing like trying to do something to change the problem then you know like that I that I found was was almost like therapy for me was trying to figure out a solution to this so that no one else had to go through what I was going to go through so you know you kind of like almost change a focus to like okay you know me I'm in my own head and this is horrible to okay like let's try and move beyond this and figure out like focus on how this cannot happen to others um, yeah, I, I, I would just encourage people, I guess, to, to experience it and think, you know, what, how, how could I, if they, if they want to, you know, how, how could I make it so that no one else has to deal with what I'm dealing with right now? And did you find it hard to do that and also take care of yourself at the same time? Or did you find that it gave you something to focus on? Yeah, I think um, I think I was I was very well like my friends and I we we support each other very well. Um, I'm I'm sure a few essays were submitted late and <laughs> this and that, but um, generally speaking, I I think luckily I had a very good support system. Um, not to mention my my parents, and so I I, I do feel fortunate. Um, and I was able to sort of channel it into something, um, which ended up being something t- tangible today and positive. But um, yeah, I I do cite my support system for being able to help me stay on track. Last thing that I kind of I find interesting is, you know, there's this philosophical debate about what role universities play in taking care of their students from a mental health perspective. And there was, a, I think, the head of the mental, of the wellness services at Guelph who spoke up after five suicides in, in one year. And he said, you know, he was a psychologist, and he said, at the end of the day, we are a university institution 
we absolutely have a duty to protect our students, but like you said, we can't have one-to-one ratios. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what role do you think that universities play in that, Mm -hmm. in that scenario? Right. Like what, what responsibility do they bear? Um, I think, and, and this is, there's, there was an op-ed in the globe recently about this as well. Um, sort of aligned with your friend at Guelph over there, just talking about, you know, saying that, you know, it really isn't their responsibility. I mean, I think if anything, um, you can look at responsibility from a number of paradigms. You can look at legal, uh, you can look at practical, you can also look at moral. And my opinion is that universities have um, a moral uh, responsibility. I can't speak to the legal side, um, but um, at least a moral responsibility to provide students with adequate uh, mental health and um, and potentially, hopefully, one day uh, addiction or substance use uh, support. So um, it, universities are providing education to individuals at a time in their life where they're most vulnerable to these types of issues. Um, that's, I believe, a very well-known fact, um, or at least should be across <laughs> any university institution. And so that, that I think, always needs to be, um, you know, top of mind, or at least close to top of mind of, of the administration and universities. But overall, really, like, I, th- I think that if you... It, it, it's a moral responsibility, but also, you know, you're, 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 you have these people who are, are so, like the most vulnerable of the entire population. Like you can't, you can't avoid that. And so you do, you do have a responsibility to these students, especially in first, you know, especially in first year, you're, you're housing them quite literally. So, um, yeah, I, I see their point. Um, I believe that I want to live in the realm of reality, which means that, of course, they they can't do everything. Um, they can't have a therapist per household in the, the Queen's... We used to... In the Queen's student village. But um, they should do as much as they... As much as they possibly can within the, the restrictions of a publicly funded institution. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share? Hmm. I don't know. Final thoughts. <laughs> Final thoughts. Um, I no, I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm not, I, usually I'm, I'm on the other side. I'm asking other people questions. So I'm trying yeah. to think. But I mean, you're, well, I do have a question for you actually. So jack.org, what's, what's the plan 2018? Yeah. New Year, New Jack. New Year, Old Jack. New Year. What's the plan? Well, we have, so we have three presidents this year, which is last year there's two. And so we've kind of split it up, whereas my role is on advocacy and I'm going to be more focused on increasing resources on campus because, you know, it's really important to have the awareness piece. But if people are really aware of it, but then they go into counseling services and there's no one there to counsel them, then that's you know, that's not Mm -hmm. helping anyone, right? So I'm more focused on that. And then my other two presidents are focused on running events 
whole bunch as many as we possibly can at least once a month and then we have a team that does members which is other you know queen students mm-hmm. who want to get involved and learn about different mental health objectives etc and then we're going to do a conference in january um, and have a bunch of students from all across ontario and hopefully have a concert too so you know my whole idea is that we have this big awareness raising concert and then there is some type of resource that is tied into that where we can say, okay, this is mental health, this is what you should reach out to help, and this is what we're offering as a solution. Because without that awareness, without that resource piece, I think that the awareness is kind of useless, to be mm-hmm. honest, you know? So uh, my focus is really to, to step that up. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love cool. it. Well, Maybe you'll be my competitor one day. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Keep each other on, uh, on track. Right? Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. We're all out, we're all up for the same goal. So. <laughs> thank you so much. Of course, thank you. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. For more information or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.